You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Well, good morning, everyone. It is great to have you all joining us here in person online. We are so blessed, and my name is Nick. I'm the lead pastor here, and we'll introduce uh, two guys next to me here in a second. Uh, but what you just heard is one of our Calvary Cares project updates, and throughout this month, we're gonna be hearing different updates from different projects that we have uh, gotten behind uh, as a church through our Calvary Cares campaign. If you wanna check all the projects out, you can go to calvarycarescampaign.org and check all of those projects out. And the one you just heard there with Project Rescue is making such an incredible impact as it's rescuing women uh, who are uh, stuck in, and been captured in uh, sex trade. And we are just so blessed to get to be behind them and to help these women not just be rescued, but more importantly, be equipped with the tools to make a living elsewhere. And uh, I love the opportunity to get behind ministries and programs that aren't just fixing uh, one problem, but they're fixing the long-term problem, and they're part of the solution. So thank you for giving so that we can be part of that. You know, uh, as Mike and and Katie mentioned a minute ago, uh, this past week we had, uh, it was Halloween, we had Trick or Treat for Cause in five different locations, hundreds of kids, Come, and we are so blessed. One of the things we do with Trick or Treat for Cause is we donate $3 back to our local fire station. So next week is our Hero Sunday. We're gonna have first responders from throughout the community, fire trucks and ambulance and uh, police officers and all that. We're gonna honor them and celebrate them because they deserve it. And uh, next Sunday, we're gonna be presenting the checks to the fire chiefs from Trick or Treat for Cause uh, this past week. But also, we have two special guests. And I just encourage you, man, invite a friend. It's gonna be an incredible, incredible day, not just to honor and celebrate uh, the heroes of our community, but also to have a really important conversation. That uh, It's a conversation that I've been wanting to have here for a number of years, and uh, just the kind of uh, uh, things aligned, and it's gonna be able to happen next week. We're gonna be inviting Dr. Uh, Kenneth Stevens and Dr. Richard Harris here. They'll be flying in next weekend from Florida. They're both professors at Southeastern University. Uh, Dr. Harris, uh, previously in the 70s, had served as the Grand Dragon of a KKK group uh, in Indiana, one of the largest north of the Mason-Dixon line, and uh, was a uh, just a, uh, a strong proponent of white supremacy. And it was how he was raised, and a lot of things had a lot of hate and anger and rage. And God radically transformed him. Uh, Doctor, uh, that's Dr. Harris. Dr. Stevens uh, is an African-American man, grew up in the deep south. Uh, his brother was killed by two white supremacists, had a lot of anger and rage, and Jesus has transformed him. And today they're close friends. They teach a class together at Southeastern University. They're gonna be coming and sharing about how God can heal relationships, how God can heal relational wounds, uh, even that are deep into our society. So we're gonna be talking about race, reconciliation, healing. So I encourage you to invite a friend. This is a conversation in our community, Norwin, in West Smolin County. I've grown up here. This is a conversation that needs to happen more and more. And my hope and prayer is as a church, as a faith community, we can lead the way in that conversation, that we don't just wait for something tragic to happen. We don't wait for something bad to happen, and then we talk about it. Let's lead the way. This is what followers of Jesus should do. So I encourage you to invite a friend uh, and join us next week. It's gonna be an incredible uh, day uh, as we celebrate our Hero Sunday. Now, today we're kicking off a new series called Rebuilding Relationships that next week is part of. And uh, as we're kicking off this series, I have two really good friends with me. And uh, these two men next to me have uh, really been uh, more than just acquaintances, but have been very, very, very close friends. Uh, Have been uh, with me personally through some most difficult times of my life. And uh, I want to introduce them. So Eric, John, if you guys can introduce yourselves, share uh, who you are, what you do, and, uh, and then we'll get started. Is that cool? I'll let you go first, Eric. Well, hey, I'm Eric. Uh, if we haven't met before, it's good to meet you. Uh, I pastor Element Church in Millvale, um, and I have a wonderful wife and three kids. And we've been friends for And what? we've been friends since I moved here uh, 12 years ago. John, John's the one John, that, be, John's John, the reason we're 2010. friends. You moved in 2010. Did I? Yeah. Oh, I yeah. John's so 12, the reason you're right. we're friends. It's 12. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I'm in the middle, because right. I'm bringing you two together today. John is the glue. So John was together. goofing off at work. <laughs> <laughs> true, it's true. That's right. 
at uh, found my church planning blog when I still lived in California, and me and him ended up connecting when I got here, and then he connected me with Nick. We met at the McKnight Starbucks. I still remember that. Yeah, it was a good time. Um, and I still get Do you coffee. remember what I got? I, I get the same thing. It's green Something tea. Something It was boring. green tea. It's okay. I, I don't change. I'm, I, I just like, get the exact same well, I don't, thing. I don't really change either of it. It's okay. I know. Right. Okay. So John, can I go next? You go next. Okay, you great. Next. Thanks. Your turn. John. Uh, hey, so good morning, everyone. My name's John. Um, as Nick said, uh, Nick and I, I think you and I have been buddies since 2005 or uh, six. Something like that. Six. Something um, like it's that. been a while. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so I've had the privilege of, of being... Uh, a friend to Nick, a friend with Nick. Uh, I've served under Nick as well. Uh, for those who maybe don't recognize me, I'd spent a few years here uh, in the music ministry at Calvary as well. He was our, John was our worship director. And yeah. All that our worship team is today, Jason does an incredible job. But, man, you laid a solid foundation. You literally built the platform. That, that is true. Yeah, I did build. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I'm usually much more comfortable with the guitar up here. Jason was actually going to get me a guitar, but I noticed that he broke a string. And so I think he's in the back getting that fixed for me. <laughs> and the running joke, too, it's so funny because the running joke is um, when I, you know, I'll, 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 I'll attend at Calvary uh, occasionally. And when I do come, um, I always tease Jason about his strings because he used to always break strings. And, uh, and every time I'm here, he ends up breaking another string. Like, it's just like clockwork. So, like, if you see Jason's string broken, you're like, oh, where's John? John's he must here. be here. Yeah. John <laughs> must be here. So, enough about us. Today, we want to talk about uh, relationships. Now, in a, in, a, in a gathering like this, uh, there is a lot of diversity of preferences, I would venture to guess. Uh, there's a diversity in our food preferences. Um, I love Taco Bell. Some of you might know that. Um, or... Uh, if not Taco Bell, uh, Rich Man's Taco Bell, Chipotle. Uh, and if you guys like that. Or some of you might like Chinese. Some of you might like uh, uh, Italian burgers. We, we could go on and on. We have a real diverse uh, uh, taste of food. Or, or, or we have diverse uh, opinions on what temperature we like the thermostat at. Some of you like it really cold. Some of you like it hot. Some of you are crazy enough in the middle of the winter to open your windows. Don't ask me how that's possible but you are who you are, uh, and you know who you are. Uh, we have different uh, uh, diversity and preferences in just how we unwind or relax or even what time we like to go to bed or how long we like to sleep in. We have, we're, we're a really diverse group in a gathering like this, but there are some things that we can all agree on. Like, for example, like we can all agree that 10 Fast and Furious movies was probably nine too many. Can we, can we agree on that? Or, or, or this that uh, Heinz went a little far, a little too far, across the line, I think, when they started coming out with their own ice cream flavors. Uh, Can I add to that, too? Yes. I think that Acrisure Stadium went a little too far yes. by removing the Heinz red zone. Am I right? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> that gives applause. Um, I always like to call it Aryan Shore. Uh, Aryan Shore, uh, that's a better one. Anyway. But uh, one of the things that we can all agree on, I think, is something that we hate, we loathe, we do everything we can to avoid, and it's pain. None of us like pain. Uh, I would say a large majority of us don't like pain. Maybe you're one of those odd ones that does enjoy pain. Uh, but as the saying goes, pain is an excellent teacher. And if it's true that pain is an excellent teacher, we will do everything in our power to make sure that our interactions with that teacher are as infrequent as possible. We try to avoid pain. We spend lots of money, and there are technology and advancements that have gone to great lengths to help us avoid pain. Just take, for example, our, your car. You have uh, many of our cars, we have warmers in our seats so that we don't have to experience the pain of a cold morning sitting on a cold seat. How many seats do we use in our lives that have seat warmers? Or, or, or you have airbags that keep you from launching your way through the windshield if you wreck, or... We now have lane assist and, and, and stop assist that help keep us on track and, and stop when we need to. All of these things uh, are examples of how we go to great lengths. We will spend lots of money to avoid pain because we don't like pain. And that's why uh, the topic we're walking through this month can be difficult. Because here's the deal. We're, we're talking about something that can, at times, bring some significant pain into our lives, which is relationships. 
And, and I don't have to go into length right now, but, but there are a lot of different ways that pain uh, enters our lives through relationships. And over the last few years, we found ourselves dealing with some pretty unique tension uh, of, of our friendships and our relationships. It's, 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 it's this tension that, that we long to be known, to be loved, to be in relationship with others, and yet we don't want to be hurt again. We've experienced loss. We've experienced disappointment and even had wounds inflicted on us by those who are closest to us. So we wrestle with, what are we supposed to do? Like, what's, what's the right response here? Should, should we avoid relationships with others, uh, with those we've had, or, or maybe those we were going to have? What are we supposed to do? Uh, or, or should we lean into relationships a little bit more? Like, should, should we endure the pain? It's kind of a confusing, upside-down time. And over the next four weeks, we want to explore how we can best navigate the relationships we have, maybe the relationships we once had, or maybe the relationships we look to have in the future. And next week, we're going to be talking, as I mentioned earlier, about relational healing with our, our two guests, Dr. Harris and Dr. Stevens. The week after that, we're going to be talking about a very practical, important component of our relationships and friendships, which is relational communication. And then we're going to close out talking about what relational health can look like. What, what, what it looks like for us and how we express that in our lives. Today, though, we want to tackle the kind of elephant in the room when it comes to relationships and friendships that I kind of mentioned already, which it's the pain that we might experience in our relationships, the pain that we're dealing with about what already has happened through our relationships. And we can see in, in various studies that have been performed uh, in recent years that the figurative expression heartbreak, I don't know if you've experienced heartbreak, but it has a literal and biological effect on our physical body. Uh, stress, cardio, cardio, I should have got Allison to help cardio. me with this. Card, cardiomyopathy. Allison, did I get it? Man, <laughs> Allison, John's, John's wife, Allison, is like the best medical professional I know. We went, sorry, I started going this tangent real fast. We went to Haiti uh, a number of years ago, and she, we had a number of medical professionals, but she was a, Nurse, at that point, is that where you official? I don't know if there's like official letters I'm supposed to have add to that. But um, because she's so good, they in Haiti uh, were in a different country and it's kind of a free for all down there. They let her prescribe uh, prescriptions and give medications out and all that stuff because she's it, sorry, she's super smart. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Stress cardiomyopathy is what it's called, which is broken heart syndrome. Okay. Uh, and, and this is a condition that mimics a sudden heart attack, involves the heart muscle failure due to emotional stress. And, and many of us have experienced that kind of stress. And whether it's heartbreak, whether it's words that have been spoken against us by people that we would consider close friends, uh, whether it's being ghosted by people that we thought uh, were, were better friends, or, or our natural human response uh, of all of these moments uh, are, are these emotions that we, we carry. And, and our, our response is oftentimes to avoid it at all costs. We want to avoid pain. We don't want to experience that kind of pain. Uh, we don't want to wade into the deep waters again like that with the goal of avoiding being hurt so deeply. And our society is dealing with some deep relational wounds at this time. We've walked through incredible trauma over these last few years, and we're dealing with the loss of a way of life, sometimes the death of loved ones and those closest to us, and even the abrupt endings to other close relationships. And because of, uh, of the many in society that have experienced this, we have found our society as a whole hesitant to engage in meaningful relationships with others at times, or even to avoid them all together. And while avoiding pain makes really a lot of logical sense, like if you burn your hand on the stave, stove, don't go back to the hot stove, right? Uh, the biggest issue with this kind of response is that avoiding the pain of what we've experienced relationally is robbing us of the very thing we need to heal, which is the relationships themselves. And so today, uh, my friends John and Eric are here. We're gonna kind of talk through some of this together. And uh, what we wanna do is talk about how we've faced relational pain and th walked through it and engaged in healthy, meaningful relationships again. So Eric and John, I wanna ask you guys a couple quick questions here. How, how is pain shaped your relationships over these past few years? And what has made uh, it, what is it, how is it, what has it made you hesitant to do or not to do? You want me to go first? Go ahead. Okay. 
Um, well, gosh, it's been so hard to make sense of the last two and a half years. And so I, I would just commend you, Nick, too, for just saying, hey, let's talk about these things because yeah. it's something that needs talked about. Um, and, and these are the conversations that I think need to have. I think the time is, is right as well. Um, you know, I think when I think about relational pain and trying to make sense of it, you know, as I, as I just would read about the kind of how our brains respond and, and what is relational pain, it really, like when you get to the root of it, it's a disconnection or a fear rather of being disconnected or feeling like you don't belong. Um, and so it's all, it ends up being like rooted in this, in this fear mechanism, right? That are in our brains, it triggers this kind of sense of fear. And so, you know, what I've noticed, my fear tendency or my fear trigger when I experience fear um, from some type of relational disconnection, and I can say, too, that that relational disconnection could be with an individual, but it could also be with a group, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's not just one-on-one, -on -one, but it's me and a group and how I, how I um, connect or, or maybe feel like I don't connect with a particular group or person. But my, my natural tendency is to withdraw. Yeah. Right. So that's that's how I've seen, you know, for better or for yep. worse, yep. I withdraw from the relationship um, and kind of perpetuate that disconnection. Yeah. You know, what you Eric? Yeah, I mean, it's just been especially real in the last few years, I think. Um, so obviously, like none of us knew COVID was coming. Right. And so I I'm a, a foster parent who's now adopted his foster kids. And so we got our, our foster kids, and then COVID hit. Um, and so we're dealing with all this sort of background stuff while changing our entire lives around having children. And, and the truth is, like, some of y'all some of y'all got kids too, and you know it's, that that's a, a, often a painful relationship. Yeah. Um, especially when you're trying to cope with everything else that's going on in the world around you. And... I find, and I think this is one of the reasons why me and John are friends, is, is we're both kind of naturally introverted. So if me and John hang out, I think we're perfectly comfortable just sitting and not talking. As it's much preferred. As we are talking. Yeah, preferred. preferred. This is very yeah. uncomfortable he, for he, me. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Nick is a talker. Um, I don't think I've ever sat with Nick for more than 30 seconds before he said something. Um, John, John and I used to have uh, breakfast at King's in Monroeville. And uh, pretty often, and uh, one of the staples of our breakfast was I never finished my meal. I just talked too much. That, that is true. Uh -huh. yeah. And I can do that, but naturally I'm introverted. And so all of, the, all of this pain, I, I admit kind of the same response. You know, it's how can I keep myself safe? How can I keep my kids safe? And so the easiest choice to make often was just to stay in, stay home. And I don't know how many of you realize that over the last several years, your reflexes have changed. Uh, instead of, it's, it's, hey, let's go out to a friend's house, your reflex, some of us, especially those who are naturally introverted, has changed to be like, let's stay home. Yeah. Home is safe. Home removes the possibility of pain. Yeah. Not removes it. Uh, my, my kids cost me Diminishes pain, it. But, <laughs> yeah. But, but you, you limit the things yeah. that you're going to face because you're facing so much. This is how a lot of people have responded and processed this. And, and throughout this month, we want to tackle some of these topics on relationships and learn from one of the healthiest, greatest examples of what it means to be a friend that's ever walked the earth and how they navigated a sometimes confusing, painful journey that we call being a friend or relationships. And uh, this guy's name was Jesus. And, and I know some of you are like, oh, here we go, Jesus. You know, he's perfect in every way, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he's the son of God. He doesn't know what it was like for me. He doesn't know what it's like for me to walk through relationships and the pain of relationships. He has no idea of, of what genuine relationships even look like. He never experienced the pain of being stabbed in the back or the heartbreak of watching someone you love walk out on you. But Jesus did experience Incredible loss. He did have pain inflicted on him by those that he loved, and he felt the sorrow of watching those closest to him walk out on him, disown him, and even hurt him at some of the lowest points of his life here on earth. In Hebrews chapter four, verse 15, we read this, for he says, for we do not have a high priest, which is speaking of Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. 
Uh, What's he talking about? He's saying, uh, the the author of Hebrews is saying this, that Jesus has walked in our shoes. And, And not to show us simply that it can be done, not to be like, see guys, I did it, so you need to do it too. No, he did it so that we could see how it can be done. Uh, and and uh, John, Eric, uh, kind of this question comes to mind when we're looking at this. How does this idea that Jesus has experienced pain just like us, how does that land with you? Like, how, how does that help you process what you've faced? Yeah, you're a pastor, so you should go first. All right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so there is a painting that I got to see when I was 18 years old that, that, I, that I really loved and is stuck with me called The Death of St. Joseph. And so you read the gospel accounts, and you have in the beginning, you have, you have Mary and Joseph, and we have the Christmas story, which we're going to get to walk through soon, yeah. and it's, it's great, and it's wonderful. And then you read the gospels after that, and you realize that Jesus in his adult ministry, his mom's there, but his earthly father isn't. And so there's, there's a painting, it's from the Renaissance, that tries to capture the heartbreak of Jesus at the death of his earthly father. And that's always really kind of stood out to me as, wow, Jesus understands what I feel often better than I realize. And so someone like, so both my mom and my dad have passed this point. My dad passed when I was younger. Um, My mom passed fairly recently. And I think our reflex when we hit those big moments of relational pain is sometimes to feel like God doesn't understand. And I have to remind myself that, wait, Jesus became flesh and, and, and lived with us. And those things that we experience in life that, that hurt, well, Jesus actually did experience. So God experienced those same pains and, and processed through them. Yeah. And even to the extent of throughout history, like God has often experienced pain because he, he loved. Yeah. And we're so, people and we do dumb things. You're right. You're right. <laughs> yeah. And I, so it, it's tough for me, right? Because on one hand, I think I set Jesus rightfully so as say, hey, he's just son of God. Like he's different than me, right? Yeah. <laughs> he, he did have it figured out in a certain sense, right? Um, and so there's this, this disconnect to, to where I recognize, hey, I'm broken, so, so when I'm experiencing the same situation Jesus did, I'm probably not processing things the way Jesus would process things, right? So, so for me, it's tough to sometimes to, to, to really kind of grasp what it means for God, for Jesus to be fully man, yeah. right? Um, and it takes time, and I have to kind of meditate on it and think about, like, what did it really mean for Jesus to walk in? through this situation or experience this situation in, in the context. But um, I think it also uh, just, you know, part, part of the how I understand that is Jesus said he was one with the Father, right? So he had a direct connection to the Father. Um, and, and we don't necessarily have that, right, when we're born. We have to initiate uh, that, initiate yeah. that and... and um, uh, and Jesus prayed for us to have the Holy Spirit so we could have that, that connection and start to process things the same way Jesus yeah. would. So, I don't know, it's, it's tough for me to really wrap my mind around it, and it takes a lot of time and energy. Our, our tendency is to assume the worst, and we assume, like, Jesus or God are these, uh, like, the worst father possible, and they're, you know, experiencing a better thing and just expecting us to do the worst thing. That's just kind of our human tendency, but it's not the truth not the case. Now, for Jesus, you know, we talk about Christ's crucifixion, uh, his death and his resurrection. And and for Jesus, before he ever experienced the pain of the cross, the excruciating wounds of being whipped and beaten, or or the scorn of being ushered through the streets of Jerusalem as a supposed criminal, that was loud. Might have been me. He first before he experienced any of that pain, and that would be more physical pain than any of us have ever experienced probably. Before he ever experienced any of that, he first experienced the pain of some of his closest friends stabbing him in the back, disowning him, and outright abandoning him. To understand what took place, we have to kind of pick up the story of Jesus at this pinnacle moment in in, in the relationship between Jesus and these 12 men that he called his disciples. 
Uh, These were more than just students to him. They had become like family to him. And he had gathered them to celebrate the Jewish feast of Passover. It was a deeply meaningful meal that gives us a kind of short little glimpse uh, into the mutual affection that was present between Jesus and these men. As they gathered around the table for a meal, Jesus stands up and he begins to address the whole group. And, and, and what he says is recorded in Luke's gospel, chapter 22. Here's, here's what Jesus said. It says, and he took the bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after, supper, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Now, you might recognize those verses that, that they're kind of a model that we follow as we celebrate communion, but the religious practice of communion didn't even exist yet at this point. And more than that, it's called communion because it's an amazing picture of, of, of this communion or this sense of community, deep relationship that was present with this group that were following Jesus. And it's something that honestly should be present with us today. And this group of disciples were all incredibly different and diverse on so many topics and fronts, and yet they'd become close friends. Isn't that remarkable? But after sharing these meaningful words and having this special moment with his disciples, Jesus would retreat to a remote park, uh, or kind of park area in, in, in that community to pray. And as Jesus is praying, one of his cl- these close friends would turn on him and literally sell him out to those that hated Jesus. Later in Luke chapter 22, verse 47, it records it. It says, while he was still speaking, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the 12, one of those, those, those disciples, those close ones, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked, listen to this question, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? And with a, with a gesture that normally is expressed between friends in that culture, Jesus is stabbed in the back by a man that he's invested in. He's loved and done life with deeply over years. This has to be an incredibly heartbreaking moment for Jesus. And, and Eric and John, you know, how do you see situations like this playing out uh, in today's society? Uh, we don't have, you know, uh, groups of soldiers coming and, and arresting us or stuff like that, but h- how do you see that playing out in our society today? I guess when I, when I look at it, I think that our, this, this relational pain is probably the root cause of a lot of the, the issues that we have seen recently occurring, yeah. right? Whether it's the, the relational pain of disconnect between an individual or the relational pain of disconnect between an individual and a group, I think there's a lot of that has happened over the last two and a half years. It it, it happens, you know, through throughout society, but I think yeah. something has, has caused that to accelerate. And so I think what you see, what what I think what I see is with this increase of, of this relational pain, our our natural reaction is to to be fearful of that disconnection. And I think, you know, it pretty quickly our brains tell a story, right? Yeah. Yep. Um our brains have to have a story, and so we feel this fear, and within milliseconds, we've assigned a story to it. And usually that story is about how the other person is wrong, <laughs> right? Yep. Yep. It's very hard for us to admit that, that we made a mistake, and yeah. so I, that's, that's what I think, um, yeah. wow. what I've seen is just, in, you know, from a society standpoint, we've, these connections have been broken. That's caused us to become more fearful, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's good. What are your thoughts, Eric? And I think the example of Jesus here is one that we do really well to to dwell upon, that Jesus kisses the man who's actively betraying him. He's not, he betrayed him in the past, it's not, it's in that moment he is turning him over to the Roman authorities to die, and what does Jesus do? He still expresses love and compassion in that moment. Whereas I think for many of us, if we were in a situation and we knew that person had just sold us out, and maybe not on that extreme of a case, but maybe someone, someone you thought was a work friend sells you out at work, and you're going to take the, the, all the stuff for something that you didn't even really do, our reflex is to hit back. Yeah, absolutely. You punch me, I punch you. You send a nasty email to me, I send a nasty email to you. But the example of Jesus to us is, and you don't have to do this literally, is to kiss them. 
It's to love yeah, don't, don't your do that enemies and pray for those. I've been trying to kiss Nick for years. He gets real upset. The Bible says, the Bible says, greet each other with a holy kiss. I can't help it if you don't like following the Bible. And Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful we get Eric here today? See, this is the kind of relationship pain Nick deals with being <laughs> friends with me. Um, but is we always have to consider, are we responding out of our emotions, which are telling us to hit back, or are we responding out of our faith in Christ that tells us to embrace those who cause us pain? It's really good. It's really good. Now, now Jesus from this place is taken to the home of the high priest uh, to put, be put on trial. Uh, and, and a trial really that would be filled with more lies and inaccurate accusations that anyone should ever experience, especially someone like Jesus that had done nothing wrong. Uh, and, and this is usually the point when you would expect your closest friends to stand up for you, to defend you, and really to, to just be there in your corner for you. But, but not with these friends. At least 11 of the 12 uh, abandoned Jesus altogether. One of them, Peter, who is one of the closest three of Jesus, would, would follow the crowd to where Jesus was on trial. And as he's standing outside the home of this high priest and in view of Jesus and the trial that's taking place, Peter completely turns on Jesus and denies any connection, absolutely any connection to him at all. Three different times, Peter abandoned, adamantly disowns his close friend, Jesus. And, and this wasn't behind Jesus' back like Jesus didn't see it. It was in front of Jesus, in view of Jesus. And, and the third time this happens, even understanding that Jesus had predicted this was going to happen, it still happens. I can't imagine the pain that Jesus must have been experiencing this brought on him. Uh, listen to how Luke, the gospel writer, uh, records this excruciating moment, understanding that Luke's gospel is, uh, is, is written predominantly with the help of Peter's input. Here's what it says in Luke chapter 22, verse 60. Uh, as, as Peter's being questioned about, don't you know this, Jesus? Aren't you with him, Jesus? Peter replies this, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, a rooster crowed, which Jesus had predicted would happen. Listen to this, verse 61. The Lord, speaking of Jesus, turned and looked straight at Peter. Could you imagine their eyes locking in the emotion of that moment? Then Peter remembered the, the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. The pain this moment brought to both Jesus and to Peter would have been overwhelming for any of us. Jesus would soon be led away to be beaten until his back was raw. He would then carry a heavy, rough piece of wood on his bleeding back through the streets of Jerusalem as he would have been mocked and jeered at, all culminating with his crucifixion, which is one of the most painful, demented ways any human being has ever come up with to kill another. And with all the physical pain that Jesus endured, aside from some random stranger that uh, was picked out of the crowd to carry the cross for Jesus, Jesus is all alone. No one is defending him or standing in his corner. Imagine that happening to you. You, you probably can't imagine uh, uh, how, how the pain of what he experienced, but I'm guessing you have a glimpse of it. Because we may not have been crucified, but we've been abandoned, we've been hurt, we've experienced the pain that a close relationships, unfortunately, can bring into our lives. So how do we respond in these painful moments? And, and is pain a natural part of, of a relationship, or, or should good relationships actually be void of pain? And, and Eric and John, I want to ask you that question. How, how has your inner mon monologue about yourself, you kind of hinted at this, John, shaped how you respond and act when you've felt rejected by friends? So I think that for, for me personally, as I face these things, First off, I realize that typically, how do I respond in those situations? Well, I respond badly. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, that, it goes back to that, that reflex gut response of protecting yourself from pain. And that, that's, that's what, we, what, what we often do. And I have, to, I have to remind myself, and I have to remind myself through just my spiritual practice and all the different, different ways that I live, that, that I have to 
intentionally relook at situations through the lenses of Jesus. Yeah. Um, because in most situations, again, who, who's the hero of that story that comes up in our head? It's us. Yeah. Who's right? It's me. Yeah. My wife made a horrible mistake years ago. She admitted that I was right 80% of the time. And so now whenever I'm right about something, I say 80%. Sometimes I say 85%, and she really gets, gets mad at me. That's how we think in our heads, though. We think, I'm right. Yeah. How do we go into situations that are, that are filled with conflict? We have to, to, to reorient around who Jesus is and the fruit of the Spirit to how, how we interact in any situation like yeah. that. Okay. Yeah, it's, that, that's like spot on, right? We, we tell ourselves the story so quickly before we know it. We're the hero in the story, or the victim, either you know, either way. But, um, and uh, and I think I think there's really just two responses. There's, I can respond in in fear and and protect, um, or respond in love, right? Yeah. And respond in love is really hard because that's not our natural human tendency. Our, our broken it makes, us, it makes us vulnerable too. It yeah. absolutely, yeah, it absolutely does, yeah. Um, and, you know, what, what did Jesus pray? He prayed, uh, or, or he, he rather said that um, they will know that you're my disciples, not by how hard, you hit back. how hard you hit back, or how well you know the scriptures, or how holy you look, but by your, like, love. Yeah. Like, some, and sometimes I read that, and I'm like, this is so simple. Like, this is it. Like, this is, <laughs> mm-hmm. this is, this is our faith, yeah. you know? So big. Um, but I love what you, I love your point that, like, usually... Our brains tell the story, boom, we, we've decided the wrong story, usually. And then we have to step back and, and really process it and think about this, right? Yeah. And, and say, you know, Holy Spirit, help me understand. Help me see this the way you see this. Now, if the opposite was true, if good, healthy relationships should be void of pain, if that's actually true, Jesus, his response at this moment uh, really doesn't make a whole lot of sense, right? Uh, because his response to what Peter did and how he disowned him should be to actually cut him out of his life, eliminate him, and stay as far away from him as possible. And yet Jesus does the exact opposite. Just a few weeks after Jesus' death and resurrection, Peter is out on the Sea of Galilee doing what he loves to do, which is fishing. Uh, he's having difficulty, and through a number of, uh, uh, of supernatural events we're not going to dive into today, Peter realizes that this guy is yelling at him from the shore, calling out to him, was Jesus. Peter jumps in the boat, out of the boat immediately, swims to the shore to see Jesus. And this might be the point, uh, you know, if Jesus were some of us, that Jesus might uh, throw things at Peter, start whipping things at him. Or, or, or he might just like walk away before Peter gets to the shore, or he'd just totally avoid him. But I'm thankful that Jesus doesn't do that, and he's not like that. Jesus doesn't shame Peter for what he's done. He doesn't define his relationship with Peter based on that one moment or one mistake. And he, do, he, he doesn't uh, uh, just uh, throw that on Peter. And, and now, we don't know how Jesus felt about Peter in that moment. Like, the Bible doesn't record Jesus' emotions toward Peter that moment when he sees Peter. Uh, but what we do know is what Jesus did. And, and the lesson here is a really important lesson. The lesson is that, that walking through relational pain and, and rebuilding relationships starts with what we do, not how we feel. Our feelings often have to catch up to our actions. More often than not, though, we let our feelings drive our actions. How I feel will initiate and drive how I act. And at this moment, even though he had been wronged by Peter, Jesus begins to not act like nothing happened, like ignoring it. He does address it with Peter, but he begins to be a friend to Peter. He begins to do what friends do for each other. Jesus prepares a meal. He sits down and enjoys some good food with his good friend. And as they finish eating, Jesus has an honest conversation about what had happened. We'll dive more into communication in a a couple weeks and the importance of that, but listen to what Jesus says to Peter. It's recorded in John's Gospel, chapter 21, verse 15. It says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you, Jesus said. Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. 
He answered, yes, he answered, Simon, uh, feed my sheep. Again, uh, he asked uh, Peter the third time. He said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him for the third time. Do you love me, he said. Lord, you know all things, and you know that I love you, said Peter. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now, this is something you might ask a child three times. Like, maybe ask your children three times or someone that's struggling. Uh, Jesus asks him three times, and, and he's asking three times. He's hearkening back to the three times that Peter had denied any connection to him. He's addressing the mistake and the pain, not shoving it under the rug, so to speak, and yet he doesn't hold it against Peter. Some refer to this passage in John 21 as, as, as the reinstatement of Peter. But, but, but if that were accurate, he would have had to have been removed. He never was. Peter had never been removed. I see this as a reaffirmation of Jesus' love for his friend and the belief that he had in Peter for the future. You see, Peter would go on to be one of the primary leaders in the early church. All of that would have been lost if Peter's friend had held his mistakes against him. Jesus' emotional wounds would not have been healed, and neither would have Peter's wounds been healed. And, and John, Eric, have you ever had a friend forgive you? How did that affect your relationship with that person moving forward beyond that moment? What's so interesting about this part of the story is presumably when Peter left, when Peter withdrew, he, he wept bitterly, right? So he was, he recognized he messed up, Yeah. Yep. right? And so I think this is maybe weeks later that, that this yeah. uh, uh, encounter occurs. And so he's, he's probably been kind of living with this shame now for the past few weeks, you know. Um, and uh, when you have that shame, like that, that puts a, a block between you and, and that group or that, in, or that individual that, um, that, uh, that you had wronged. And so I think, you know, Peter had probably been walking in in his mind, at least, in a complete disconnection, right, from his good friend Jesus. Um, and so when that moment of forgiveness occurred, and I think it's so cool, too, to see, like, our words matter, you yeah. know, like, <laughs> what Jesus did, he was so intentional um, to, to care for his friend and reaffirm his friend. But um, when, that re when that connection is reestablished, you've, you've now removed that, that relational pain, and in some instances, you've actually strengthened that relationship. Yeah. Right, because sure. you've now gone to a greater depth in that yeah. relationship, yeah. and you realize that the the love that that is shared in that relationship is greater than the offense that has occurred. It's huge, you know. It's huge. I really hope this doesn't steal your thunder with something you were going to say. Nope. Um, but so that is one of my my favorite gospel accounts, like the little, little snippets of it, um, because. When, when, you, when we read it in English, you know, it's the, the word love appears a whole lot. Um, anyone here speak Koine Greek? Yeah, I don't either. Or I read it. I, I had to take the classes, and it all just kind of, like, I have a Greek New Testament, and I can sometimes, uh, but I'm not good at it. But uh, you hit this story, and you have Jesus coming to Peter, and he says, Peter, do you love me? And the word for love he uses there is agape which is a completely selfless, sacrificial, perfect God kind of love. And when Peter replies, Peter says, oh, well, yes, Lord, you know I phileo you, which is a different word for love that's more like family, brotherly love. So, so Jesus is, is asking, will, will you agape me? And, and Peter replies, well, Lord, of course I, I, I phileo you. I, I love you, but I don't, I, I, this is how I love you. And so Jesus asks him again. And Jesus says, do you agape me? And Peter says, oh, Lord, you know I phileo you. And then at the very, that last one where Peter kind of had that moment, Jesus says, Peter, do you phileo me? He says, yes, Lord, you know I, I love you. So in that moment of deep relationship pain, even as Jesus is talking to him to restore this relationship, Jesus is willing to take a step to be where Peter's at. Yeah. He steps to him. And that's the same way that God treats us. He, he just, in, even in, in the incarnation of Jesus, he steps out to us. Yeah. And so, like so many times, 
it, when we encounter, especially with a close friend, relationship pain, our reflex is they need to come to me. Yeah. They wronged me, so the reconciliation of the relationship, the responsibility belongs to them. But again, we're called to take the example of Jesus, who when Peter couldn't quite say he loved him the same way, Jesus said, well, Peter, do, do you love me like this? Yes, yes, Lord, you know I love you. That's huge. That's big. Yeah, and I think it's, when I was reflecting on this, because, you know, Nick sent us the questions ahead of time, so we had, like, a little bit of an idea, right? But I hadn't talked with Eric. But when I was thinking about this question, I was thinking, the first thought that came to my mind was, first off, um, I, have to, I have to recognize that I made a mistake, right? And like we said earlier, usually we're not very good at that. But when I thought about this in the context of my relationship with my wife, Allison, right? Because of, of all the people that I interact with, she's probably the person that I create the most relational pain, where I mess up with the most. I have the most opportunity. I'm just being really transparent, right? Yes. I have the most opportunities to mess up yeah. in my relationship with my wife. Absolutely. Yeah, okay, so thank you. It's just... I'm you, just, not me. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think it's, it's the, the challenge in those instances... When that, when that connection is broken, yeah. it, it is so painful because we long for that connection with your, with your spouse. It's, it's in, in some instances, the most important connection. Yeah. Um, and in some instances, most 80% of the time, I need to recognize that there was some, I, I have culpability. I made a mistake, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Yep. And if I don't open my heart up to that, I'm not allow. I'm actively participating and not reestablishing that connection. It's huge. You know? Now, as, the, as the worship team comes today and we kind of wrap up this, this conversation, you know, we find ourselves faced with some, uh, some difficult truths today and, and when we talk about relationships. First, relationships are a necessary part of life. Whether you're introverted or extroverted, we kind of talked about. Whether you love being around people or you enjoy taking time away from people, the reality is we actually need each other. We all need each other. Relationships are part of our wiring as human beings. We, we aren't codependent, that's not healthy, but we are interdependent, and we need that. So the first idea is, you know, relationships are a necessary part of life, but also, uh, kind of along those lines, uh, and this is the one that's difficult to process, is uh, every relationship will come with pain. Every good, meaningful relationship will come with pain. You will not have a deep, meaningful relationship with any other person without some level of pain. It's because pain is one of the things that actually binds friends together. Mistakes in the forgiveness that can follow is what keeps friends together. Our natural tendency to avoid pain is completely understandable. It's part of our human nature. But, but we see this important lesson from Jesus that we can lean into the pain and instead of using it against someone that we've cared for and cared about as punishment, we can use the incredible tool of forgiveness as the glue that brings us back together. And, and today, in a few moments, we're gonna celebrate baptisms. What an incredible picture of what Jesus has done for us. In Colossians 1.21, it says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your mind. Jesus has every reason to hold our mistakes or what the Bible calls our sin over our heads. Like, that's what he should do. But he doesn't do that. We deserve the punishment and consequences of those mistakes. And yet, Jesus extends the grace that he showed to Peter to us. He extends it to us. In Romans chapter five, verse eight, it says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We don't deserve it, and yet he shows it to us. He's that incredible example. And before we, we, we celebrate baptisms today, before we go into that, I wanna give you an opportunity. Maybe you're here, and we're talking about relationships with us individually, and, and you're thinking about maybe family members or friends that you've had difficulty in relationship, but, but the first one is our relationship with our Savior, with God. Maybe you're here today, and, and you've never experienced his forgiveness and grace that Peter experienced in that moment. I don't wanna rush past this moment and get, jump into the celebration of baptisms without giving the opportunity to say, you know what, I can, I can actually experience that forgiveness today, that Jesus loves me, Jesus cares about me, even in spite of all the reasons he shouldn't, in spite of all the reasons I've tried to run, just as Eric mentioned, he's come to me, and he's come to you today. And if you're saying today, I wanna, I wanna begin that relationship with Jesus, 
I want to reconnect, allow him to redeem my mistakes, my sin, my pain, and to use it somehow for good. And if that's you this morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity to, 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 to make that commitment. So if you could bow your heads with me as we, we pray, Lord, I thank you for what you have done for us that we are undeserving of, Lord. We, God, don't deserve your forgiveness. We don't deserve your grace. God, we don't deserve your mercy. God, thank you for the love that you have shown to us, that while we were still sinners, while we were messing up, making mistakes, while we were enemies to you in our minds, you still died for us. You gave your life for us to, so that we could be forgiven and made whole. As you're continuing to pray this morning, if you're here and you say, Nick, I've never taken that step to begin that relationship with Jesus. Not, not to be part of this church or to be religious. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying that to, to experience his forgiveness like he did with Peter and to say, you know what? I want to be in relationship with him. I want to follow him and allow him to lead my life, allow him to redeem my past and to use my life for his purposes. If that's you this morning, on the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to reach your hand toward heaven to make that commitment between you and God. That's you on the count of three. One, two, three. I just ask you to reach your hand toward heaven. Amen. Anyone else this morning? Amen. Amen. Anyone else? Amen. You can put your hands down today. And, and for those of you who raised your hand, everyone else, I want to lead you in a prayer today. Not, not some magic formula, not some religious thing, but just a conversation with God that I want to lead you in. My hope is this is the first of many conversations you have with God, which is what prayer is. Uh, and I want, I want to encourage you, see, don't just recite words, but see, speak these words from your heart. If you can all pray this prayer with me today. Dear God, thank you for loving me. In spite of the wrong I've done, in spite of the reasons you should not love me, Thank you for still caring for me and for pursuing me. Today I accept your forgiveness. I commit to live for your purposes. Give me the strength and the courage to follow you all the days of my life and to show your love to the world around me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I encourage you, stop by the Connection Center. We want to give you some resources to help continue that relationship with God. Or, or you can go online to connect.calvaryirwin.com and click I'm uh, committing my life to Jesus and, and we can get those resources to you digitally. We want to help you not just make a decision in a moment, but, but begin a journey with him. And today we're going to celebrate baptisms. We're going to celebrate people who have made that same decision and that's what baptism is, a public profession of, of what we've done privately, inwardly. And we're going we're to celebrate with them. Here's what I want to ask you to do today. We've got kids, adults, they're making this step of baptism. It's going to be awesome. Uh, all of that pent-up celebration that we haven't gotten to express because the Steelers and the Pirates and the Penguins aren't doing so well, let's let it all out today. Let's celebrate. We sometimes in the church world aren't real good at celebrations. Man, let, let the heavens roar today because people are making this step public of this decision they made to follow Jesus. So we're gonna sing a song together and then we're gonna go into baptisms. Uh, let's sing this song together. This is Pastor Nick Pohl, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.